Hi there, and welcome to episode 27 of the Rashcast. The date is September the 1st. Uh, the time, game time. Uh, I'm Jake. And I'm John. Uh, so the Nationals this week went 4-1. and one. They lost one very odd game to the Orioles, 2-0, uh, to nothing, which they got shut out by Aaron Brooks and, and the a Orioles coterie of mediocre relievers. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, to dwell on that, like I just did for the first 15 seconds of this podcast, is to be relentlessly negative, because then they won the first four games, or the next four games, they went 4-1 and one against pretty much the last easy stretch of their schedule against the Orioles and Morelands. Uh, they have gone 9-1 and one in their last 10. Uh, frankly, there's just not much to complain about right now. Everything seems no. to be going pretty well. Yeah, I mean, they just got... Zimmerman back today, and he hit a big home run. You know, that he looks. Hopefully, he'll be good for the stretch run because Adams has been, he's been, you know, slipping a bit in recent weeks. Uh, but it's good I, to I have think, Zim back. I mean, listen, between Adams and Kendrick, uh, first yeah. base is reasonably I mean, well covered. But I would, yeah, but I think you was, know, with Kendrick, nice. I, he's. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, with Kendrick, he's really hasn't been playing much recently. And I think a lot of that's because of his Achilles. And, you know, this is just me speculating, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is his last season because of his injuries, his one last hurrah. Um, but so having Zim back is good because, you know, now you could hopefully see if he has something left in the tank for his last month, potentially. Well, I mean, it was nice of Davey Martinez to acknowledge that Ryan Zimmerman is, you know, when Zimmerman came back in June... Uh, Davey proclaimed him the first baseman. Uh, now that he's back in September, Davey's been much more realistic. He said he'll start against lefties. Uh, he'll come in as a defensive replacement. Uh, but that's that's probably, with expanded rosters, that's a role that he can have. Yeah, I think uh, that's the right role for him. Uh, the question to me is, does he make the playoff roster? Now, I think so. Uh, well, it depends. So the Nats have uh, the wild card game, and they're most likely going to be obviously a wild card team. And in the wild card game, you have the opportunity to roster a couple of extra hitters because you don't have to put every single pitcher that you've got, every starter you've got, on the roster. Uh, now, obviously, the Nats will probably, you know, even if they start Scherzer, which you know, depending on how the next couple of weeks go, it's, it's probably going to be Scherzer. Yeah. Uh, they'll probably roster either Corbin or Strasburg, or possibly both. Uh, you know, Corbin as a weapon against lefties because this team does not have a real uh, lefty who can get lefties out, uh, who's not the closer. Uh, or Strasburg just for an inning in relief. Uh, so they'll probably roster one or two of those guys, but that'll mm -hmm. leave them with two extra spots that they'll probably give to, uh, you know, two extra position players. I'd imagine Andrew Stevenson would be one and that Zimmerman would be the other. But you look at, you know, if they make it to a division series where you can't do that, uh, it would be 
you know, the, the one benefit. Be, it's going to be between the one, having extra bullpen arm or Ryan Zerman. And yeah, that's, that's right. come down to. And it's well, either like Joe Ross, you know, one of the Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, you know, maybe Javi Guerra or Ryan Zerman. That's the question. Who do you want? Is one of those three or Ryan Zerman? I'd right. rather have Zim. I, I agree with you. I mean, Guerra's main usefulness is that he can go multiple innings and soak up innings in, you know, blowout games when you need to do workload management for the rest of your roster, but that's not going to happen in the playoffs. Uh, and since you're only going to have to roster four starters for a division series, uh, there's there's no reason that, you know, you can carry seven relievers and six, uh, six bench bats. Uh, mm-hmm. And frankly, this team does not have a good eighth reliever that they really need to keep on the roster. I mean, yeah. th- these relievers are, are mostly pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't really see a point in keeping Zimmerman off the roster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of related to what you were saying, that's something else is going to bring up. But with the September call-ups today, you know, the roster expanded. And the Nats had that extra thirty-nine. Uh, they had an extra forty-man roster spot, and right. I was surprised that they decided to activate uh, Jeremy Hellickson for that last roster spot, as opposed to putting in someone like uh, Greg Holland or Aaron Barrett. Uh, I would have really liked them to see Holland use that roster spot because last year Holland looked great for us down the stretch, and I don't know. I have a feeling that maybe he could be useful. To us again this year. I mean, the Nats have done pretty well with Reclamation Project so far this year. Right. I would love to see him get a shot and see what he has because he could be a very valuable piece in the bullpen for that big roster spot. Same with Barrett, but mm-hmm. I mean, the I mean, I, I don't know that it's a sure thing that either of those two are going to be good, but no. they're definitely going to be more useful and certainly more useful in a playoff situation than. Than Jeremy Hellickson will be. I mean, yeah. even even his sort of, you know, even if he comes back and is everything he was promised to be and more, he's still a fifth starter, and you don't need a fifth starter in the playoffs. And he's it's no. not like a guy whose stuff will play up. Right, his stuff won't play up in the playoffs. So no. it, it just makes no sense. Uh, and there is also the fact that if he makes one more start this season, he gets a two hundred thousand dollar bonus. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't really care about that, obviously, but it's just sort of a, a head-scratcher. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I don't think he'll make a start. I think he'll come exclusively out of the bullpen, considering the fact that we now have eight starters in our, now nine. Nine on, starters. On roster. Or maybe yeah. roster. It's, so. I I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, especially, I mean, even if you wanted someone in that role, you could have brought up Kyle McGowan. Uh, just get yeah, someone on the forty man. Yeah, it's it's weird, uh, yeah. but uh, I mean they could always DFA him now and clear that forty man spot. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean it just why would you bring him up if you were gonna DFA him yeah. sometime later? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, regardless of that fact, uh, the Nationals, you know. Starting pitching-wise, are pretty set. Uh, yeah. Steven Strasburg went Saturday. He struck out 14 in eight innings. He's had, out of his four starts against the Marlins, three of them have been shut out. 
in which he's gone more than seven innings. Uh, he struck I think out Steven should pitch. I think Steven Strasburg should pitch against the Marlins every day. That would be a really great idea. Yeah. Uh, I think he'd probably have even better numbers. Mm-hmm. But more importantly than pitching against the Marlins every start, I think the better question is what if he never had to pitch against the Diamondbacks this year? Yep. Uh, if, if he had not pitched against the Diamondbacks, so you look at Steven Strasburg, and this is a good segue into our next topic, which is the NL Cy Young race. Uh, you yeah. look at Steven Strasburg, and he is leading the National League in wins. He's leading the National League in innings pitched, and he's leading the National League in strikeouts. By the way, he's, he's already led the National League in strikeouts once before. That's the only black ink that he's got on his uh, baseball reference page. He led the National League in strikeouts or tied with Johnny Cueto in 2014. But apart apart from that, he's never led the National League in any category. Uh, And if you were to take out the the two starts against the Diamondbacks, in which he gave up uh, six runs and nine runs, respectively, uh, he would have a truly impressive 284 ERA. Uh, and with Hyunjin Ryu, who's given up a ton of runs in his last three starts, yeah. falling back to the pack a little bit, you'd have to imagine that Strasburg would be the leader in the clubhouse for the NL Cy Young right now. Yeah. I mean, going, another thing about so about Ryu, which I think is interesting. I mean, it's not interesting, but it's something to look for, look towards, especially if, we, if the Nationals were to face the Dodgers in the postseason is that, you know, since he's come back from his, from his, uh, IL stint, which the, the Dodgers said was just a, you know, a, a one stint thing. He only missed one start, but he was still put on the IL. I mean, he had, he had one very good start, seven innings of, sh- of no run ball. But besides that one start, his last three have been, he has 11 ERA in his last three starts. Um, yeah. So I, that could be a showing sign of something, that's very troubling to come for the Dodgers down the stretch. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily injury. Uh, no, you got to remember, it could be this fatigue. Man has, he's not been healthy and pitched a full season in five years. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is as deep into a season as he's ever gone, uh, mm-hmm. at least in those five years. And, uh, you know, I'm surprised with the big lead that the Dodgers have. You know, their magic number is nine on the first day of September that they're not doing a little bit more careful workload management with Ryu. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Ryu already does uh, something that's very interesting that I don't know that a lot of other pitchers in baseball do. He doesn't throw between starts. Uh, but, you know, even even given that, uh, that he doesn't really throw a ton in between his starts, or he doesn't throw a ton, you know, outside of being on the mound, uh, in games, I would think that maybe skipping a start, going to a six or seven man rotation. I mean, the Dodgers really don't have much to play for, and they've got all the starting pitching depth. Uh, and they've got uh, May and Tony Gonsolin, uh, guys who can just fill in and you know take starts from Ryu. They've got a lot of options there that they could take, but you know if they're trying to increase Ryu's innings count in order to win him that Cy Young. Uh, it's sort of having the perverse effect of possibly blowing it for him. Yeah. Uh, and not only that, it could really hurt their postseason chances. 
Well, yeah. I mean, if he gets hurt or if he's tired. Or just ineffective. Right. But going back to what we were talking about before with the Nationals, I mean, the Nats have three guys, our one, two, three of, of, of Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin, who are all top five in the NL and FR. Um, Corbin has a 4-6 FR as of today, after today's start. It's higher on BWAR. It's actually about – it's a uh, not including today's start. He had a 4-9 BWAR, and that will um, that'll probably go up after today's start. I mean, playing with percentages in, in BWAR versus FWAR. He, I mean, the real thing is that he's got a higher uh, FIP than ERA, but it's really close. Yeah. yeah. 319 so, ERA, 331 FIP. Yeah. Uh, the Nats have three of the four uh, pitchers in DL with 200 strikeouts. Corbin is third with 201. Yeah. So looking at the, I mean, that's impressive as hell to be that good. But the problem is, is that there's a knock on each of them. You know, with Scherzer, it's the innings pitched and the, the workload and, and what's going to come from going forward. I mean, he right. had the strikeout stuff against the O's, but he didn't have the length in his game. And we don't like, it's, it's going to be, Hard to guess what he's going to do here on out the rest of the season. More I concerning think, to me than that was just the fact that he said that he he doesn't feel comfortable going 100% right now. He feels yeah. like he has to ease himself back into it. But the thing is, his next two starts are against the Mets and the Braves. You know, mm-hmm. The Nets gave him, essentially, by luck of schedule, they gave him what you could consider two almost rehab starts against the Pirates and the Marlins. Not that those are not major league teams or major league offenses, but uh, these weren't big games. These weren't, you know, really high caliber offenses. He didn't have to push himself. Yeah. And I think I said Marlins, I meant Orioles. Uh, but the fact that he sort of feels like he can't go 100%, uh, you know, you have to question whether or not he'll get there uh, at all during this season. Or or not. Well, remember, if we're considering these two starts kind of quote-unquote rehab starts, um, then, you know, he was working his way up, and then maybe by his next start he feels that way. You know, it's hard to say truly until we actually see him throw again. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to watch every single start he makes from now on with a Hawkeye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a way I mean, that you basically it, have with every Strasburg has had to make his entire career, except this year. Yeah, he's I been mean, the workhorse. I, yeah, I mean not to not to jinx him. And he's made he leads the NL as we said in innings pitched, but even more than that, you know there there always used to be like every start or so, you would see Strasburg like reach for his arm or his back or just look fidgety and uncomfortable on the mound. And you would start to get worried. It was, honestly, for that reason, one of my least favorite pitchers to watch. But this year, uh, he's just seemed much more comfortable on the mound. You know what's uh, something I've noticed a lot more about Strasburg this year? What's is that? how much more he'll talk to the umpire. Um, I've just noticed that you know he'll always have a word to say with the umpire. And I think that's something to say about how comfortable he feels in the mound. That he feels like he knows where his pitches are going to be and about the comfort level that he has with his stuff now. Well, I mean, and not to belabor the point, but he's sort of, you know, with that losing of a tick, tick and a half maybe on his fastball, he's sort of become a pitcher. 
mm-hmm. in a way that he wasn't Not always. Right. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to say that he was like in 2018 or 2017. Uh, you know, and his, his stuff is still electric. Uh, and I don't want to say that in previous years he didn't really know uh, what he was doing out there and it was just all stuff. But the interesting thing to me is that, so he's throwing his fastball less than ever. Uh, but it, it almost seems like he's sort of finally learned, maybe it was the tick and velocity, that he, you know, he can't just throw his fastball by people all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's hit spots. He's effective with his fastball. He's effective with, you know, with. he's got two great secondary pitches. He's effective knowing when to use them. Yeah. Uh, and I just, it's been really impressive to watch. And, li- and like we said, you know, if you take out those two starts against the Diamondbacks, he looks like he's finally going to fulfill the promise and, you know, win that Cy Young. But yeah. you can't just wipe those off the record. No, you can't. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, I know the Nats have three of the top five uh, starters, but if I had to choose right now, I'm, I'm probably giving the Cy Young to uh, Jacob deGrom. I, I yeah, think he wins it back to back. He's got, you know, his ERA is not much higher than Scherzer's. It's, you know, he's not too far off on the strikeouts. Uh, he's but having he's a one, great, he's one behind Strasburg. Yeah, he's having a great year, and he has, you know, the stats to pack it up. And so, if I had to choose one, it's going to be Degrommers now. Uh, Wait, and he's still he's only eight and eight. Yeah, they just will not support Jacob Degrom. He could win. Nope. Back-to-back Cy Young Awards, not even winning 10 games either time. That's pretty incredible. But, yeah, yeah, if I had to choose, if I had to go 1, 2, 3, I'd give you my top five of Cy Young. I'd go DeGrom. I'd go Strasburg, number two. Mm. I'd go Scherzer, number three. Ryu, number four. And Corbin, number five. Is this based on current performance? or This is is based on as of now today. Projected, I mean, it's hard to say. If if Scherzer comes in in September and pitches lights out in most of his starts, then I think he gets a Cy Young. But as of today, as of September first, with a month left in the season, I think that's my that's my ranking. Yeah, I'd say I'd give Degrom a slight edge. Uh, I mean Ryu, just other than the ERA. Uh, you know, his peripherals are, are decent but not great. The strikeout rate isn't there. Uh, mm-hmm. never walks anyone, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's an interesting fact. What? Steven Strasburg and Hyunjin Ryu have the same ground ball rate. Interesting. Yeah, Ryu is the, you know, the sinker baller, the left-hander. And Strasburg uh, has sort of adapted. He's got the highest ground ball rate of his career. Uh, I mean, he's just... He's in a lot of ways, a different pitcher than he used to be, even as the stats sort of look very similar. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if... I don't know how voters... I mean, if I'm trying to think alongside voters, I don't know how they're going to sort of react to Strasburg. Yeah. Because the ERA is pretty much the only thing holding it back. Uh, and truly, by... You know the ERA and the two starts against the against the Diamondbacks because I mean you can't ask voters obviously to take those two out of the equation, but if you go by number of good starts versus bad starts, 
Uh, I mean, it's just... Strasburg should be in the discussion this year. I just can't imagine him winning it uh, yeah, with the ERA over three. With, I, think, I, mean, with I, th- I think if he can get his ERA down to like three, two, five range, then he'll have a legitimate shot for, for Cy Young. Well, it depends on what everyone else does, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and you got to take in, into account the fact that you know, the Nationals have been very hot, but they're just a first wild card team. It's not like... Uh, it's not like this team is like running away with the division or anything like that, in a sense no. where you might get extra points for team performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's less of, an, less of a factor for Cy Young than it is for MVP, but it's still something to discuss. Uh, and I, I don't know. Uh, I would say, again, I think you're right that if the season ended today, DeGrom would win it. If Scherzer has a good or great month of September... I think he might be able to make up the innings difference. I mean, if he finishes with like 170 innings uh, and drops that ERA even more, uh, I mean, I think he deserves it. Uh, It's just uh, a lot of questions up in the air. There are a lot of really interesting candidates. Corbin, you know, as we've talked about, is an interesting candidate himself. Uh, I would say that he has been everything the Nats have hoped for and more. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, he's, just, top, he's having his best season. Uh, he's a top five pitcher in the NL. I mean, how much more could you ask for? Right. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, if Ryu stabilizes, that ERA stays the same. He's still in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, but his ERA is so, only 11 ticks lower than Scherzer's at this point. Yeah. Well, and if it stabilizes, means, though. If he stabilizes, yeah. If the so. ERA stabilizes, if he finishes with like 10 more innings than Scherzer, mm-hmm. he's currently at 157 to 142 uh, for Scherzer. Then, I mean, I, it's just there's a lot up in the air. There's six candidates who are in the conversation. Yeah, we didn't even talk, talk about Walker Bueller. Walker Bueller, yeah. You know someone else who no one's talked about this year who's having a, still a very good year is Clayton Kershaw. Yes, that is very true. There have actually been more articles posted about why is nobody talking about Clayton Kershaw in the last couple of weeks than there have been articles talking about Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. He's a different pitcher. Uh, doesn't strike out nearly as many. Uh, he hasn't gone more than seven in a start. The last start was the first start in which he went fewer than six. Uh, he's had an interesting year. I mean, he's definitely worthy of down-ballot consideration. Uh, yeah, he's, he's not, not in the Cy Young. But it's just, he's still very good, even with the diminished fastball and even in dinger ball, which has really killed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting debate. Uh, and now, mm-hmm. the, the other interesting debate for... Well, it's become a the, lot more interesting this week. If you well, talked so to me a, lot, a week, even a week ago, I would have thought, you know, Ryu was going to be the Cy Young, and I'd probably say Cody Bellinger was going to be the NL MVP. But things have changed this week. Uh, I mean, Anthony Rendon has gone on a, a tear. He's got you know his average up to three thirty-seven. He's you know trailing leading baseball. He's leading baseball in average in RBIs, which RBIs yep. you know or whatever. Stat, he just uh, just took over the all-time lead for the Nats in RBIs mm-hmm. in a season. And there's still uh, a month left to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll get one Thursday. 
Yeah, he might. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of time left. If he stays as hot as he has been. Yeah. Uh, he's got I mean, 32 home runs, which is uh, not really close to the top in the major or in the major leagues in this era or in the no. NL. But it's a respectable no. number. Yeah, very much so. Uh, he, and I mean... OPS, yes. he's barely trailing Bellinger. Uh, he's That's behind right. Yelich a bit on OPS, but... You know, he's behind uh, Yelich significantly in OPS. He's behind Bellinger by two-tenths of a percentage point mm-hmm. in OPS. Uh, by WRC+, Plus, it's right in the conversation. It's Yelich 169, Bellinger 165, then Rendon 163. Yeah. Uh, so, it's a legitimate case for Anthony Rendon, MVP. And that's it's surprising it, given where we were a week ago. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have said, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have made that case. But now we can definitely make that case. And it depends on how you view most valuable player. You know, Cody Bellinger plays for the best team in the National League. Uh, he's the best player on the best team, which is a lot to say. But you know, that team is still very good. Without him, they're still probably winning that division without him. Right. The Brewers are missing the playoffs with or without Christian Yelich. The Nats aren't making the playoffs without Anthony Rendon. That is true. Yeah. They are def- – I mean, yeah, the, he is a seven-win player right now. Yeah. And the Nats are seven games up or seven and a half for now. But, yeah, you know, that – I mean, that's a crude analysis. But you, know, you can also talk about it in other, in other terms, you know, the – Anthony Rendon missed 20 games this year, yeah. uh, and in those 20 games, uh, the Nationals were god awful. Yeah, I mean they even were with, even with good production from Howie Kendrick at third. Right, you know, the team isn't the same without Anthony Rendon in that lineup. Right, not even close. And by, by the way, uh, Bellinger is the only one of the two guys who hasn't missed uh, significant time. Yelich yeah. has been in and out of the lineup with uh, his back injury. With back injuries, so Yelich and Rendon have played roughly the same number of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, that's not really going to make a huge difference. No. The I think the big question here is whose defense do you value more? Yelich and Bellinger both play right field. Uh, Yelich does not play it particularly well, according to advanced stats. And I think believe that if test, you will. I think the eye test yeah. doesn't play great defense. Well, no. I think that. Definitely in the second half of the season, as the back, back injury sort of caught yeah. up to him, he's he's taken plays off. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, both you and I, when we watched the Brewers series, uh, remarked that Yelich looked very slow in the outfield, like he was. Sort but that of, was also like that was also on the Sunday game after that Saturday game. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, he played all three games of that series right all after he had come off. Right. Uh, right after he'd come off the, well, not the IL, but he'd been sitting with the back injury. Uh, so he'd probably been given some sort of license to take those plays off. But uh, the point is, yeah, so that I, I can believe the defensive stats on Yelich. Bellinger uh, grades out as plus, plus defensively in right and at first base. And the question is, how much stock do you put in a right field defense? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can ask anyone who evaluated the Adam Eaton trade that uh, the Nationals maybe put way too much stock in the right field defense and that 
the problem here is that capably playing right field or, or playing an excellent right field is not nearly as useful as playing a capable center field, but the uh, defensive statistics measure it that way. Uh, it's not a premium defensive position. There are outs to be stolen, but generally people, I mean, it, it doesn't require exactly the same skill set. Right field asks for more of an arm uh, than center does, but I mean, they're both outfield positions, and anyone who can credibly play center field can definitely play right very yeah. well. Uh, and so the question is, how much stock do you put into that? Uh, I mean, but, but on the other hand, you watch Bellinger in right field and at first base and running the bases, and you understand where that comes from. He is, for a man of his height, absurdly fast. He gets great reads on the ball. Uh, so you can see it if you watch him. But the question is, how much value do you put on that? Yeah. I mean, I think third base, to play a good third base, it's definitely harder than it is to play a good right field. I think it requires a lot quicker reflexes. And it, you know, it, I think it's more valuable to a team, better infield defense and outfield defense. Um, so, I don't know. I... The defensive metrics really, I think, underrate Anthony Rendon at third. Uh, I think he's one of the premier third basemen defensively in the game. I'd say top mm-hmm. five. Uh, the defensive metrics don't have him there. But just from watching him, watch, I mean, he made a great diving play today on a line, a, a diving line drive. Hit right. I mean, it was a tough play, and he makes it with ease. Uh, he's got a great arm at third. You know, He makes plays that are difficult, look easy. And so I think, you know, it's a lot closer in terms of their metrics than in terms of their prowess, I mean, than the metrics give them credit for. Yeah, I mean, the problem with evaluating players defensively is that it's so hard to quantify and it's also so hard to sort of get first impressions out of your head because, they're all, because it is so hard to quantify. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, like Rendon was an absolute premium defender at third base in 2014. That's unquestionable. And yeah. one of the reasons that that he was so good is because he got a whole bunch of chances to charge balls and make plays charging. There was there were articles written about it at the time, uh, but. Defense is so chance-based. You know, are you getting difficult chances? Are you making the difficult chances? Uh, you know, we're, we're not talking about a ton of plays. Uh, and we're also talking about the fact that because it's so difficult to quantify, it's hard to say, is Anthony Rendon the same defensive player in 2019 as he was in 2014? I don't know the answer to that. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, in terms of which position is... Which position you get more out of offensively, uh, right fielders are averaging a 109 WRC plus this year, whereas uh, third basemen are averaging a, bo- a 104 WRC plus. So they're both plus offensive positions, right field a little bit more uh, than third. Uh, in terms of how much value you can bring defensively, it's sort of hard to say because... 
third base, I think we do consider a premium defensive position. We can talk about players, you know, in terms of, say, a Scott Rowland or uh, an Adrian Beltre, guys who were known at third base for their incredible defense. It's harder to think of guys like that in right. Uh, I mean, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is Roberto Clemente, but uh, that's, you know, Itro as well, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, it's not, it's not a position where people can make their names defensively. Uh, so I mean, center field, you can too. Just, it's really the corner outfields. Oh, no, no. It's not that you can't make your name in an outfield spot. It's corner outfield spots. Yeah. Yeah. That you, I, I mean, you really, you. right. You really struggle to come up with guys who were premium defenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can think of them at second, third, short. I mean, you can even think of guys at first, like John Olerud or Keith Hernandez, who were really well known defensive players. Uh, I mean, obviously, they wouldn't have. The difference there is that you don't stick around at first unless you can hit a little bit, too. Yeah. Uh, you may be very good defensively, but you're not going to stay there unless you can hit. It's pretty much the same thing with the corner outfield spots. Uh, and to a point, it's the same thing at, at third. Uh, most of the premium defensive third basemen get to be that because they can hit. They get to be known as premium defensive third basemen because they can hit. Uh, so they're somewhat similar, but I think that third base is a position where you can provide more value defensively. And I'd say that Anthony Rendon is as good defensively at third as Bellinger is in right. So then it comes down to how much more are you willing to give Bellinger credit for A, being on the best team in the best division, uh, and B, for hitting a little bit more than Rendon, uh, and how much credit are you willing to give Rendon for playing the slightly more premium defensive position uh, and for being on a team that wouldn't make the playoffs without him? Yep. Uh, now, we should note that this is probably academic. I, I just I don't see Rendon winning the MVP. I said unless uh, he goes on like a yellow strike tear at the end of the season, I don't see it either. I think the, there's been a narrative built already this season of Bellinger versus Yelich, and I think that's going to be the end of the season too. Unless Rendon really, really makes some noise in September and is able to dethrone them both. I mean, if right. I was, if I were voting right now, I'd still vote Bellinger. Uh, I, I know Yelich's numbers are a little bit better offensively. Uh, I just think you know the edge goes to playing for a winning team, and so I give it to Bellinger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I stand. You know, there's still. A month left in the season, a lot can change. But I'm feeling, you know, it's pretty cool to have this conversation when in May we thought this team was uh, was destined to go nowhere. Yep, they are now 19 games over 500. They got a huge week coming up, three against yeah. the Mets at home, and then the big series. They got four against the Braves. They've got uh, their top three starters. They've got Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin all starting in that series as well as Joe Ross, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll obviously have more to talk about at the end of I the just, week next week. I just want to say one more thing about this team. It was something that happened today, which just makes this team – I've never seen a team 
that's so loose and just ready to have a good time. I mean, you saw it with Zim in the dugout doing the old man walker when he got to dance. <laughs> and then yeah. you saw it with the Circle of Life cam when they were holding up Adam Eaton and Juan Soto. I, I just, you that's know... That's the Simba cam, John. The Simba, sorry. The Simba cam. I just have never seen a team look this loose and having so much fun playing baseball as I have with this Nats team. And... I think a lot of that is credit to the guys the Nats signed, like Gerardo Parra. But I think a lot of that is Davey Martinez. We talked about this a bit last week, too. But the, the how he's just been able to keep a loose clubhouse and keep these guys, you know, having fun. And that was one of the things that he was hired for, was was his personality. I mean, Well, so to, to sort of jump on that, uh, not quickly. as a criticism. Uh, yeah, to jump on that quickly. Uh, I think... As I think James O'Hara once said in a, in a, in a tweet at some point, uh, shout out to James O'Hara on Twitter, uh, but this is the first team, I, it, this, I don't think that this is the team, a team that I've watched that has had the most fun, but this mm. is the first team I've ever seen where the fun seemed to come before the winning, Yeah, where the team sort of all seemed to like each other and chemistry seemed to develop before the winning. Because winning breeds chemistry, but it's really hard to breed chemistry without the winning. Uh, and the Nats did, you know, and to credit Davey Martinez, he did a very good job keeping the clubhouse together uh, without the winning. I mean, it's impossible to say how much credit he deserves versus the, the players on the team. But uh, they are where they are now because they managed to keep things together. Yep. So, All right. you know, this is a fun team. I like this team. It is. And it this should be a, a fun, fun exciting stretch of September baseball where pretty much every game is meaningful. I mean, in some in some way to one of the teams yep. they're going to be playing. I mean, we play two we play three division leaders, we play, you know, two other wild card teams, we play two teams that are in the hunt, and then we play the Marlins again. But so yep. every game matters to every team, so it's going to be a uh, going to be good baseball coming forward. So Yep, it's going to be a lot of fun. And we'll be here every step of the way. Yes. So we'll see you guys next week. All right. See you next week.